0: Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples and this is part two uh, on prayer with Pete Gregg. If you've not listened to part one, I'd say hop back, listen to part one and then come and join us for this part two. This part two for me is really important because it's where we start just talking through uh, unanswered prayer or this real reality of what do we do when God remains silent. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to you hearing this second part of the interview with Pete Gregg. So would we'll you jump in that uh, very quickly. Just to say thank you so much for listening to the Making Disciples podcast. Really pleased that you keep coming back. Uh, do keep sharing the episodes. Do let people know about it. Uh, I'd love to hear your comments, particularly on this episode. If you listen to it on one of the devices that lets you leave comments. We would love you to leave some comments, particularly on the Facebook uh, group, Making Disciples Facebook group. If you're not on that, do join it, and then leave a comment there. That would be wonderful. And friends, here we go. Making Disciples, an interview with Pete Gregg on prayer, suffering, God on mute. Pete Gregg, welcome to Making Disciples. Thank you so much for taking time uh, to be with us this afternoon. Grant, I want to talk to you about the theology of suffering. And I'd love to hear. Just a little thing then. Craig. Just a the little thing. I think, well, you, so we run the Alpha Course, and it is the thing that we have so many. It comes up without almost a, th- a thought. Yeah. But what do we do about suffering? If God is so loving, why is there suffering? Yeah. And. It doesn't see you, you can give answers and answers and answers, but we we always seem to get back to this same question that keeps reoccurring, and it's because it taps into something in each individual. But you know, I've read your book "God Unmute," and and it is, you know, I'm not saying this because you here, but it is the best book on suffering and prayer, and I Thank love you. the whole section on Holy okay. Saturday and you know the the moment between the death and the resurrection that we live in this holy saturday and um, so i'd love to just talk a little bit around your understanding of God's suffering unanswered prayer what do we do with all of that uh, in a way that we still come out of it loving jesus if not more so than we did before yeah well first of all everybody suffers and of course christians
1: aren't immune from that and so um, we do have to get our heads around it. And of course, it makes perfect sense that people say, well, if God's loving, God's kind, God's uh, good, then why do so many terrible things happen? And I think there are some intellectual answers to that. But ultimately, they don't hold a lot of water when you are actually suffering, when you're mm-hmm. actually uh, dealing with someone in profound turmoil. That's when it's, it's a heart Thing, the yeah, the Holy Saturday thing is is really just if we trace the the Easter you know journey of Jesus, you've got first of all Good Friday, this moment where you know we believe God suffered for us with us. Um, this is unique to Christianity. This unbelievably powerful idea that the Creator of all things submitted to death on a cross, and He took. The the cancer, the suffering, the abuse of the world upon himself. And uh, I find enormous comfort in that, Chris. In our own story, particularly with my wife's chronic illness, I've often asked for miracles and sometimes mm-hmm. seen them. But more often what I found is God, instead of airlifting me out of a problem, parachutes in and joins me in the midst of it. And that's mm-hmm. what Psalm 23 says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. It's mm-hmm. God with me in the MRI scanner. You know, it's yeah. God with me in the cancer ward. God mm-hmm. with me at the food bank. It's, it's the presence of mm-hmm. God who suffers with us. So that's the Good Friday bit. And it it doesn't answer a lot of questions. Actually, it asks a lot of questions. Um, but it's pretty comforting. And then if we just jump from Friday to Sunday, we all kind of, most of us know that Holy Sun, the Easter Sunday, you know, message of, and then and then G, Jesus rises from the dead. He's alive today. He's overcome death. Where death is your sting. You know, we can mm-hmm. be forgiven. We can have relationship with Him. Uh, we we're assured of eternal life and all those beautiful, beautiful things. But what Christians tend to miss is God allowed a whole day between Friday and Sunday, Holy Saturday, when the Bible pretty much goes silent. Um, Actually, in many um, traditional churches in the country, they strip the altars bare on that day. It's as if the church has nothing to say, because Mm. what do you do when God's dead, when God's in the grave? So God allowed all of creation to dwell Without answers, without solutions for all 24 hours. And it seems to me that many of us live our lives on Holy Saturday, Mm. somewhere between the the immense suffering of Good Friday and the breakthrough hope of Easter Sunday, or between Dear God and Amen. You know, we live our lives, we can't question what God has done for us in the past, but we're longing for so much more in the future. And we have lots of questions. So I think. Many of us, uh, our experience of faith is the paradox of uh, of uncertainty that is Holy Saturday, and I just I think we have got to be very careful before we try and leapfrog Holy Saturday and just rush from every suffering, every question, every problem to say, "But the answer is Jesus rose from the dead, so everything's happy ever after." Mm. There is this living with tension, with pain. Romans eight says, "All of creation is groaning, the sons of God to be revealed." So. I think um, we all experience that. I guarantee every listener at this point is thinking, "Yeah, that sounds pretty, pretty familiar." Yeah. And, and the thing I'd say is, don't, don't, don't get tempted to to dwell purely and exclusively on either Good Friday or Easter Sunday. Um, you know, some people when they're hurting, they go to Good Friday. They just say, "It's all bleak. It's all dark. It's all hopeless." Where is God? Mm. And yet, the truth is, they also do see blessing and breakthrough and encouragement and goodness and beauty in their lives. It's silly to just deny that stuff just because mm. you're hurting. Unless, I mean, if you're clinically depressed, you're going to find it very hard to see that stuff. But that's a clinical thing you're going to have to treat medically. Mm. Um, and then other people, it's like they jump to you know, the resurrection day, and they say, everything's wonderful, everything's happy, I never have any more problems, God's this kind of algorithm locked in Silicon Valley, if I just pray right, I'll see all the miracles, and I'm like, that's just not honest, life is full of pain and and chaos, so I think Holy Saturday enables us to reach into the reality of Good Friday, and the reality of Easter Sunday, and live with the paradox of, of real faith,
0: yeah, I love that. So I was in Lebanon um, last year visiting a uh, church there. And um, th- one of the things that they did was on Holy Saturday, yes, they stripped the church. Yeah. But they have this very simple liturgy where they open the doors. The lights are all turned off. Uh, you are invited to come and just sit in front of a cross, a uh, very simple cross. Yeah. And just to sit there and to take the weight of God is dead yeah and what they allow you to do is process also the grief of those that you've lost that year that those individuals are, are dead uh, and what they they have this very simple two hours where you can come in and go out and do that, but that means on Easter day when you come there's a real there's a deeper profound sense of the resurrection because there is a danger that if you if you leave on Good Friday with the death and you leave somber. You then rush around on Saturday, and it's all very busy. and You're getting ready for resurrection. Yes, it's Chocolate Day. Yeah, yeah, and you, 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 you are all. It feels like you're rushing ahead to the desperate need for resurrection. Whereas they, I love it, and they, they open up the the church and they allow people to come and to sit there and to say all isn't well, and try to sense that feeling of what it must have been like for the disciples with the yeah. unknowingness. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that. I love that, that they practiced that. Yeah, and, um, it, It just has so, this deep, profound quiet.
1: You know, to become a Christian, they never tell you this, is, is, is like, it's a bit like going to the post office. You know you're going to have to wait. Um, you know, like to become a Christian is, you're going to have to get good at waiting. Because, you know, my friend Tim Hughes says, God only has two speeds, slowly and suddenly. And even when he does things suddenly, he takes his time. It's like, read the Bible. God is slow. We're recording this right now in November. I'm looking out my window. Creation is preparing for Holy Saturday. It's preparing for winter when there won't be a lot of fruit. And we're just going to have to wait. And there's going to be a lot of darkness. But without a good... Hard, cold, long winter, you don't get a good bright spring, you don't get a good harvest. And so we have to learn to linger in the winter seasons, we have to learn to wait. But the assurance of Christian faith is that that isn't um, hopeless, it's not despairing, it is waiting for the spring, it is waiting for Easter Day. We, we wait, as the Apostle Paul says, you know, we do grieve. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope. And so my father, who's died, you know, I miss him. Mm-hmm. But he never met my kids. But one day, I often think about the day when he and my kids meet and whether he'll recognize some family likeness there. And so I grieve, mm-hmm. but I've got this little twinkle in my eye because I believe in the resurrection
0: of Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Oh, man. can I almost feel I want to just pause there for a moment and let that sit. But um, can I, I want to just ask you before we end what you sense Jesus is saying at the moment to you for the church? One of the things I, I know about you, Pete, is you're a prophet and the Lord speaks to you. And um, I'd just love to hear what you sense the Lord is saying for this season. Um
1: well, i mean i, I don't I, I don't think I'm a prophet. i I try and listen to God and guess most of the time and often get it wrong. Um, but you know I am I, I, enormously excited. I see um, I, I see uh, something stirring in the church in the u k that is quite extraordinary. Uh, as I say, the church is growing again. Many of the great Christian traditions in our church planting, most of those church plants like your own, Chris, are growing and working. People are coming to Christ more easily than they were five years ago. The statistics now backing up what has been anecdotal for a little while. And, um, you know, we're seeing literally millions gathering to pray. Yeah. Um, so, a time of austerity, I think, is also a time of enormous opportunity for the for, for the gospel. And you know, um, so I think what the Lord may be saying to us is is get ready, get your house in order. Mm-hmm. You know, consecrate yourself, set yourselves apart, get yourselves ready for what I'm about to do. And uh, I believe the Lord is building a new circuit board of relationships in the nation that don't fit denominational traditional yeah. lines. In fact, it will probably subvert many of the denominational allegiances, and it is around those who love Jesus, uh, who uh, are confident in the gospel, uh, who want everything God's got for them, including the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and ultimately want, uh, believe that the very heart of the Christian message is friendship, friendship with each other. As fellow Christians, friendship with God mm. and friendship with people who don't yet know Jesus, mm. and uh, I think there's, there there is an amazing unity. We're seeing it in in regions and in cities, and increasingly in the nation. And um, th- these things really excite me. So I think th- this is a time to be to be confident and uh, just. I would just say to anyone listening to this, learn to say yes to God, whatever. God tells you to do, do it, because the most dangerous thing you'll ever do is say no to the God who knows you best, loves you best, and wants the best for you. Um uh, learn to say
0: yes to the one who's on your side. Yeah. Pete, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I can't more highly recommend how to pray. Um we I think there seems to be five copies in our house. (laughs) I think (laughs) I think everybody who's old enough. To read uh, owns a copy and I think everybody bought their own copy not knowing everybody else bought one that seems to be seems to be there. Well, I'm the so,
1: you're you're bucking the trend that most people I talk to say so I've lent it to five friends, and I sort of think, oh, I wish someone else would buy one. So that's 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 so kind. Yeah. And people can get the video content of the book for free at, yeah. at prayercourse.org. Hey, so, just tell uh, us about
0: that. So I yeah I know about the prayer yeah. course, but tell those listening about that because it is, and you've just redone it. Yeah. And the the new ver- the first version was excellent, but actually the new version is is superb. So just tell us about that. Uh, before we go
1: yeah it's it's been great you know it's been uh, the prayer course has been done by 1.7 million people so far uh it takes you through the lord's prayer uh you've got like a 15 minute video looking uh, for each session There's eight sessions looking at everything from adoration and confession and unanswered prayer and spiritual warfare things we've been talking about in this podcast and then there's like a cheat sheet so you can do a discussion or a bible study around it and what it will do is it'll help you get your head around the full menu of prayer, and it's really helping churches, actually entire denominations, to raise the sea level—not just their understanding of prayer, but of their faith that God answers prayer. So uh, that's just at uh, www.prayercourse.org. And it is a gift. It's brie it's cost yeah. us a lot of money yeah. to make it and we just give it away that's what yeah. jesus told us to do to help people like you to pray yeah. so we want to do that
0: and, and it is excellent we've done it in our small groups across the church twice over we've run wow. it twice and it's just really easy to kind of uh, watch listen yeah. then discuss and uh, we've just found it really helpful so pete thank you Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you, Pete. Know that you're very busy and uh, and just love the fact that you've given us a bit of time this afternoon. So thank you very much. And um, lots of love. and Thanks, Chris. From us. Grace and peace.
1: Thanks, mate. Bye.
0: Cheers. See you. Bye. Friends, I hope you found that interview with Pete helpful and inspiring. I just think it's really helpful thinking uh, about prayer in terms of uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and then resurrection, and we do sit in this place of unanswered prayer very often. And the danger is, if we allow Good Friday to shape our prayer life, then we won't pray a great deal because we just think there's death and death and death. Uh, but we live in this place, the hope of the resurrection and the hope that there could be tomorrow breakthrough where we've yet to see breakthrough. So Holy Saturday is helpful because we can often feel like we're surrounded by death, but we want the hope that tomorrow may be different. And and this idea really, for me, is helpful because it's hopeful in that when we are surrounded by death, there may be something new about to birth tomorrow. I'd love to share with you just something from uh, a German theologian called Jürgen Moltmann and he was in a prisoner of war camp during the Second World War. And while he was in this prisoner of war camp, he found himself in Holy Saturday. There looked like there was no hope. They looked like nothing could change. He was reflecting on the resurrection. And he reflected on Holy Saturday, imagine, for Sunday. He was imagining what Sunday would look like for him if the resurrection would be to transform his situation. And he developed this line of thinking, this line of thought called the theology of hope. And what he realised was because of the resurrection, we get to pray for a different future reality. And he recognised that when he prayed, it was like he was reaching through the cross to that new day where there'd be no more pain and no more suffering. And on the other side of the cross, there is this heaven on earth, heaven crashing with our reality. And that he recognized that although he was living in a place of death, he could pray through the cross and almost pull forward the future reality uh, of what could be because of Jesus. So, for example, I may find myself in a position where I've just been diagnosed with some uh, illness and my prayer would be, God, I recognize my situation right now looks desolate. But because of the resurrection, I believe that there is healing and restoration. I believe there'll be one day where there is no sickness. So God, I want to reach through the resurrection today to the other side. And in prayer, pull future forward. God, I don't want to wait until I get to heaven to find healing. God, I don't want to wait until after death to find life. I want to have life in its fullness today. So God, I'm going to pray through the cross and pull the future reality forward so that I can live in uh, the Jesus reality today. So that's what uh, Jurgen Moltmann developed with it. it was this line of theology that said, in prayer, we get to pull the future reality of heaven and on earth forward and we get to hope that, that the resurrection could change things today for me. So what I'd love to do is, is encourage you, if you've been praying for a while for something and not seen breakthrough, and if you are desperate to see something change in your life or someone else's life, Become a prayer of the theology of hope, even though you find yourself on a Holy Saturday where things look impossible. Pray, God, I believe in the resurrection. And I pray it would come forward and meet me today in Holy Saturday. I want to encourage you to do that because A, it's a good practice. B, it's about practicing resurrection in our prayer life, this resurrection of Jesus that we believe actually happened. Praying it is a part of our prayer life. But it also gives, gives us... A great opportunity for testimony of seeing what God could possibly do. So I really want to encourage you to, to give that a go. If you find yourself in Holy Saturday, pray with a theology of hope that the resurrection could transform where you are right now today. Friends, I hope you find that helpful. Uh, do share this podcast with uh, friends, family, people you know that you might find it helpful. But until next time, grace and peace. Uh...